All right, welcome everybody. Week 13 of the Home Dogs Podcast. Mike, Mark, and Travis with you as always on our quest to win the prestigious Westgate Super Contest in Las Vegas. Uh, three and two this past week, so we made some progress. We had a couple really rough weeks before this, so at least we are uh, one more games than we lost this week. We're now 30-27-3 and three overall in the year. Uh, 291st place in the contest. We're 2.5 games out of the money, so 25 picks to go. Got to make up some ground. I think we were we were talking amongst ourselves this week, saying maybe we need to go 17 and eight, 18 and seven the rest of the way, maybe to uh, cash out here. So, got to keep improving. Got to get better. Uh, this past week, we had a, a miracle cover with Tom Brady getting a nice little backdoor with the Bucks against the Chiefs. We had some easy covers with the Saints and the Niners. Saints uh, obviously went against our podlock of Denver, which we swapped out after the Broncos. Left without a quarterback for that game. And uh, it was a pretty hectic, hectic uh, hour. We have to get our picks in by 7 Eastern. I think Schefter dropped the bomb around like 5 that this was being considered and the guys were being quarantined and we didn't know if they were going to be able to play. Trav, just what was that whole Saturday scene like for you as we were trying to finalize these picks? Yeah, I mean, I think the only debate for us was whether we went against the podlock because it was the podlock. I mean, I think once that news was out, knowing that the contest lines are locked in, much earlier in the week, you know, we're getting tons of value on on New Orleans at that point in time. So, you know, we we pulled the trigger. It made sense. I mean, I still am not clear why the Broncos played the game. I guess maybe it's the number of players on the roster that have to be out uh, as opposed to any, any position. But if the NFL is proud of putting that uh, product on the field, they should be absolutely ashamed of themselves when they continually push back the Ravens game. You know, till Wednesday afternoon uh, made no sense to me. Yeah, I think it was more of a, a punishing thing that the Broncos quarterbacks apparently on video hanging out maskless with each other. So whatever, they got the game in. The Broncos got smoked. The The kid from Wake Forest was not good. Nobody else could really do anything. So that was an easy cover, yeah. at least. Yeah, but. that was another thing like that. that they people played it off like that kid was a three year starter quarterback at Wake Forest. Like we went back and looked before putting in the pick. He was not the Wake Forest quarterback for an extended period of time. Like, I think he had a couple of starts sophomore year. He redshirted his sophomore year. He started a couple of times or whatever. But, you know, he was not like a three year Wake Forest starting QB, which wouldn't have meant much anyway. But that's that was I felt like the initial thing we we saw was, you know, at least he had played quarterback at Wake Forest. And I think upon very little digging, we found that was not the case. Completely just one one pass in the game. Uh, I think it was one pass for 13 yards. Yeah, two picks. Going back to that Saturday, though, I, I feel like for us, that was there was like a lot of uncertainty even to take uh, the Saints, even though we're getting line value, because we, we weren't totally sure Saturday night whether the game would be played the next day. Obviously, like the the rumors were that was a go, but you know that's a chance we we took, and other people in the contest obviously took, but uh, not everybody uh, ended up taking the Saints. I think it was fifth fifth in consensus. Yeah, only 291 people out of like 1,200 took the Saints. And I think, you know, if you don't have the luxury, we have the premium proxy service, which allows us to submit on Saturday night. Normal, regular proxy services usually require you to get your picks in by Friday or even earlier on Saturday morning. So a lot of people got burned heading locked in the Broncos earlier than that or not even wanting to switch to the Saints. So we it was definitely worth the upgrade that we paid for this year for the uh, extended time period, especially with all the COVID news. The two losses that we had, Bears on Sunday night was just a train wreck. Trubisky, Nagy, everybody, Ryan Pace to just be fired at the end of the season, if not now. Don't even want to talk about that game. It was it was brutal. And then the Browns at Jags got backdoored by Mike Lennon. Uh, Baker Mayfield missed so many throws that could have put this game away. In particular, third and two, they're up by eight on the Jaguars, like 41-yard line. And he just chucks a ball like 100 miles an hour at Kareem Hunt. 
he had no chance to catch it wide open. He would have scored a touchdown. There would have been no chance of a backdoor. So that, that one really stung. We just have not been on the right side of Browns games this year, whether it's pushes or instances like that. What do you make of Baker Mayfield right now, Mark, and Kevin Stefanski? I mean, ba- Baker, I feel like I'm totally out on. Um, I think there's clearly flaws in his game. He's, you know, just has, doesn't put the right touch on passes. He's inaccurate at times. Um, Stefanski, I'm still optimistic about, but I, I think they do have to get a better quarterback. Um, I, I do worry about a team like that. Like, I feel like Baker's maybe just good enough where they might not uh, either target a quarterback in free agency or end up drafting a quarterback. So you're kind of just stuck with this kind of middling, maybe above average or average quarterback for the next five five years or so. So that's a tough spot to be in as a Browns Browns fan. But um, they are eight and three right now, so they are in the playoff mix. But it's a frustrating team to to root for and to follow right now. Yeah, eight and three somehow. It's pretty crazy. Uh, just a few games back of the uh, eleven and zero Steelers who took care of the Ravens today and the much delayed COVID game. If anyone in the super contest had played that, which many people did because it was played on Wednesday, zero points were received because uh, super contest rules say the game has to be played by Tuesday night to get credit. So we did uh, make out there having some people lose those points. And it does give you pause if you want to take one of these games that are involved, because if it does get pushed to Wednesday, you're screwed. So with that in mind, we'll uh, get it going here. Week 13, hard to believe it's December, hard to believe the season's coming to an end. It's sad. We only get to make 25 more picks, five more weeks. Got to make up some ground. I have a lot of leans this week, guys. I I don't really have any games that I love. It's a really tough slate. But I'm going to throw out one that that stands out to me. It's a home dog. I haven't been good at at picking home dogs. I I generally have been scared of home dogs. But I like the Arizona Cardinals getting three at home against the Rams. We've timed the Rams pretty well this year, either taking them or going against them. I don't know what... The Cardinals were doing in New England this past week. That game was ugly. Maybe Kyler Schuller wasn't 100%, but I still like this matchup for them. This line opened Cardinals by one. It's flipped four points the other way. I don't really see why divisional game, you know, it should at least be a pick or something like that. So I like getting the three points with Kyler Murray in a bounce back spot off uh, an embarrassing loss to the Patriots. Chad, what do you think here? Yeah, this was my number one, too. I mean, the line movement is significant, um, and I'm not sure that it's justified. I mean, the defense was really banged up. It was actually pretty good, I think, against New England, um, but that could be more a reflection of Cam just being terrible. Now, Arizona, you know, they haven't covered in their last five games. Their last cover was the uh, as a home dog against Seattle. So the team's been, you know, bad recently, but it's still it's a it's a live home dog. That offense has looked good in the past and put up you know, a lot of points, you know, they went five games in a row scoring over 30 points, which is pretty significant uh, against some decent defenses, including Miami. So I, I like it. I like it. Uh, the Rams are a little bit scary. Like you said, we've called the Rams pretty well, um, but they are a team that can go out and still, you know, beat you 24-14 or something. It wouldn't shock me, but I still think it's good value here. So yeah, I actually had the uh, the Rams circled um, actually in my top five. So it's interesting you guys are, are on Arizona. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like I'm usually like never taking uh, road favor- road favorites, so maybe you guys are in the right here. Just looking back at the, the the history between these two teams, I guess the Rams have swept the season series going back to 2017. So McVay's never lost to the Cardinals, which I thought was kind of interesting. And I feel like when Goff has had these bad games, as he did last week, where he had a couple turnovers, I feel like the next game he just ends up playing pretty well or really well. Um, and I thought like McVay's comments this 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 past week were kind of interesting. He was kind of ripping Goff to it. Like more more than usual, 
So it just makes me think that they're going to focus on, you know, getting him right. Um, it sounds like Kyle, or like you said, Mike, is banged up. You know, whether he is getting you know, back back to form this week, I don't know. But I, I kind of want to lean Rams. But but maybe there's no no value uh, in this line. Maybe there is more value on the Cardinals for that matter. Yeah, it's weird the way these NFC West coaches going against each other. It seems like McVay owns Kingsbury, and then. Shanahan's 4-0 against McVeigh the last two years. It's hard to figure out because usually the better team necessarily isn't winning the matchup when these teams go against each other. Either way, it's a stacked division. All four of these teams are really great and, and fun to bet on. You know, San Francisco really took it to the, the Rams last week. I don't I don't know what the Rams do sometimes. It's they almost like can't get out of their own way because they, they when things are clicking, they look unstoppable in every way. And I just don't know if it's the coaching or if it's just Goff is just way too inconsistent to make it happen. I just would rather fade Goff here and take and take Kyler at home. Sixty four percent of the bets are on the Rams. Almost 60 percent of the money is on the Cardinals. So I do think it's definitely the sharper play, as you said, Mark. You usually don't go for the road faith, so I'm surprised you're on that one. But what do you think, like the the public perception is of this game? I mean, both teams uh, struggled last week. Um, Cardinals are kind of like on a two game downward trend. I'm just curious, like w- which side the public would would lean. It's hard for me to read this game. I mean, I think uh, yes, yeah, 65% of the bets are on the Rams. I think the Rams would be the more popular team publicly, but you know, this implying something like you know the 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 Cardinals being a seven point dog against LA who doesn't really blow many people out. You know, if that game were played in LA, I think it's just, that's a number that's kind of eye opening. but I, in, in terms of how the public plays it, I think the public will be more on the Rams than the Cardinals. Yeah. And maybe the contest is more Cardinals than Rams since the contest generally is sharp. I don't know if maybe this game doesn't stand out to anybody right now. A lot of people have been getting burned by both these teams the last couple of weeks. So uh, just to point out, this game is a tour de force of officials and announcers that we Cannot stand uh, the announcing team. We got Chris Myers doing this one for Fox. And then Sean Hockley's, uh our old friend, is back on this one. So if there is a reason to stay away, it would be those two factors right there. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's leave it around. I'd like to keep it in, and we can always come back to it. Uh, Mark, since you do not like this game, and this was Trav and myself's number one play, what is your top play this week? I, uh, I think I recommended this two weeks ago, and you guys were on the Saints, um, and you, that was the correct side. But I'm going to go Atlanta again. I think there are three-point dogs at home uh, versus the Saints. Um, so these teams played two or three weeks ago now. Two Taysom weeks ago was Taysom's first start. Taysom's first start, right? So, I mean, this Atlanta team, it, it's been really impressive. They're, they're 4-2 under Raheem Morris, top five defense by EPA um, since he took over. I mean, I, I know the Saints bullet, obviously, the, the Broncos last week, but I'm still not totally sold on, on Taysom Hill as a starter. Alvin Kamara, his production's really down the last, since uh, Taysom's been, been named starter. He hasn't caught a pass, actually, since he's he's been named starter, which I thought was interesting. And I, I think a couple weeks back, I talked about Raheem's record, uh, you know, 10 years ago when he was with Tampa versus Sean Payton. And, you know, he, he was competitive. I think they, they played pretty even. And I think that the Falcons might be getting Julio back this week. And and I just think this is just a big, big rivalry, rivalry game for, for the Falcons. Like, the Saints are, are clearly their biggest rival. You know, it's a home game against the Saints. It's, you know, I, I think it's their Super Bowl for the season. Um, and if they get a win here, um, and I, I think I said a lot of these points uh, the last time they played. So take it with a grain of salt. But I, I think if Raheem gets a win here, he could maybe cement his status as returning to, to coach this team next year. Which would be fascinating because, you know, Dan Quinn, even though he was the entrenched coach last year, also relied on like a late season surge from the Falcons to keep his job. I'm with you on this, Mark. 55% of the bets on the Saints. I see about 75% of the money on the Falcons. The line is down to, I think, two and a half now. We're getting three in the contest. To your point, two weeks ago, Atlanta were three and a half point road dogs. And now they're a three point home 
dog, which would tell us, you know, they'd be in the neighborhood of, of a touchdown road dog uh, in Atlanta. So it's weird that they've played well, and that line is basically, on an implied basis, has doubled. Uh, the Atlanta pass defense has been about average the last three weeks, which is a significant improvement for them. And since Taysom took over in New Orleans, the passing offense there, uh, yards per attempt has fallen pretty meaningfully. Uh, which is kind of interesting. So maybe it's the right time to to get this matchup here. You know, Atlanta's a defense that no one's going to rave about, but they appear to have been improving. Uh, maybe part of that's Morris. Part of it may be getting healthy, too. You know, I, I do hate taking the Falcons here off a dominating win, which you guys both called. Um, shame on me for standing in the way of that against the Raiders. But I still, I, I would be on Atlanta here as a home dog. Yeah, I'm on Atlanta, too. The, the, you're Like you just said, it, the only thing that scares me off is the fact that they had such an easy and dominating win last week, but I don't even know if many people are paying attention to that game. It was kind of a an off, off spot over early. No one was really watching that. Red Zone never went to it, so I think it's hard to beat a team twice in two weeks. They were seeing Taysom for the first time. Now they have two games with Taysom film that they can look at and adjust, and I, I think Raheem and the defense has done really well, so I, I'm in. I do think, though, I am a little cautious because I, I still think the Saints defense is really, really good. And, and they shut down the Falcons. And, and it sounds like Julio Jones probably won't play again either. Um, he's just been a non-factor this year. He just can't get healthy. So, But I do think Sean Payton just didn't really open up the playbook last week and do anything creative or risky or want to show teams anything else other than just like pretty much running the football up the middle or having him scramble. So maybe there are things that are going to bust out this game that they haven't seen yet in two weeks. So that, that would scare me, but I, I do like the, the home dog here as well. So, so Julio is, is not going to be back this week. I can't keep track. It seems like he comes back and then he gets hurt in the first quarter of every game. So I feel like he was close to playing last week. Um, so I just assume that uh, he was going to be ready to go this week. I know it's, it's still early in the week practice wise, but um, obviously we monitor that going forward. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm saying he's probably going to play and then he'll get hurt. And he'll be standing oh. on the sidelines oh, like yeah. second quarter. It seems like yeah. that's that's his MO this year. But whatever. Uh, Calvin Ridley's awesome. They have some other good weapons. I thought they were better with Gurley not playing because of COVID this past week. Anyway, forcing him the ball doesn't accomplish anything. So I don't know. I worry yeah. about Matt Ryan and the, and the Saints pass rush because he, he had all day against the Raiders. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll keep it in. Trav, uh, what else you got for us on your list? Those were the two ones that I actually liked. I have a couple more off-the-wall ones that I'll get to later. But I guess the one I would throw out next would be San Francisco, two and a half points. I know it's a neutral field game against Buffalo on Monday night. Um, Buffalo, I don't think, has won a Monday night game in a decade. Uh, 1999. 1999, wow. okay. All right, so call it two decades. Live, this line is down to one and a half. Bets and money are both about 50-50. The under three is so hard, and I feel like the Niners may be popular this week. But, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe there could be good action on both sides of this game. It is a Monday night game, so we don't like taking that with... Uh, with the crew, but, uh, you know, I think it's a good coaching matchup. You know, San Francisco may be getting a little bit healthy like they did last week. Maybe that continues. Um, and Buffalo, you know, they've been a little bit snake bitten like the game um, against uh, the Cardinals, but it just feels like a good spot for, for the 49ers. I like the NFC uh, West. It's much more division than the AFC East. Um, Buffalo has some decent wins on the resume, but I still, I, I kind of like the Niners getting points here even though it's under a field goal. I had this in my, in my top five, too. I, I love the Niners here, and I love it, the, the, the line's at two and a half and even at one and a half now in the, in the, the real line. Because I, I do think people would be leaning towards Buffalo, um, I'm assuming. And like you said, I think the Niners are getting some guys back this week. I think I saw Brandon Ayuk uh, was, was activated um, and a couple other guys. I can't remember their names, but it uh, seems like they're getting healthy. They're getting people off the COVID list. I, I, I don't know. I think there's good value. If you take away the turnovers in their last two games, the Niners have dominated 
dominated the Saints. It dominated the Rams, basically, for the majority of those games. And I mean, granted, the turnovers, a lot, the Mullins interceptions are on him, but a lot, you know, some muff punts. Mostert can't hang, hang on to the ball. He had two fumbles this past week. So if they just somewhat clean that up, I feel like they're really good and they actually could make a run here going down the stretch. Am I, is that crazy? No, I, I agree. I, I'm surprised like how much Mostert seems to make a difference for that offense. Like He yep. really hits the hole hard when he's yep. running. It, it's, it's pretty impressive. Totally yeah, agree. And, and Debo Samuel was really awesome against the Rams. Like, he catches yep. the ball, breaks tackles, streaks down the sidelines. And if I use back with him, too, that's a really, really nice tandem, especially with Kittle out. So I'm in. This is definitely uh, three home dogs in a row. So let's go in, a, in another We're direction. Back. I'm going to go with uh, we've really those are the top three games that I had. Uh, I'll throw out a road dog. I'll stay on that Monday night, the five o'clock game on Monday. I don't like the line, so it might just be a stay away now. It opened at Steelers minus 10 against the Washington football team at home. The contest line is seven and a half, even though it's still at like eight and a half, nine in most places. So they must just be anticipating a, a downward trend here with this line. 59% of the bets are on Pittsburgh, 68% of the money's on Washington. So maybe this thing will keep falling. I like Alex Smith. I like what they have going. I, I, I think they're probably the team to beat in the NFC East. It's their division right now with Daniel Jones out for the Giants. And and the Giants have a really tough schedule. Eagles have a tough schedule. Cowboys are probably shot. So I think Pittsburgh plays close games, as we saw today. They they play down in the competition. They let teams hang around. So I think Ben will struggle against that pass rush. Only thing that worries me is the Washington secondary is really weak. But uh, I'd be willing to buy with Washington here. Mark, what do you think? Yeah, I had, the, had a light circle on Washington. I, I was kind of thinking, like, are they really that different than the Baltimore team that, that played today against the Steelers? Like, just a, a really good defense and maybe an average offense. I like the extended rest for Washington. Uh, it seems like the Pittsburgh offensive line is a little beat up. Uh, I know Pouncey didn't play today. It seems like uh, they had another guy that got injured today. And like you said, with that Washington pass rush, that's that's a very favorable matchup. Just questioning the line value, if at 8.5, it, it's still worth it. But I would still consider it and keep it in the max. Yeah, I feel the same way. I mean, I had a light circle on Washington, but the line value doesn't appear to be there, although I didn't know if some of that these lines were posted tonight. Uh, so maybe there was a little bit of uncertainty with how Pittsburgh came out of the game today. Uh, I, I don't know if that's it or not. Washington, I mean, number two in the league in sack percentage. They get sacks on about 10 percent of their the passing plays. The in the pass defense in general is number five in yards per pass attempt. So I think it's a favorable matchup. It's two really good defenses. Alex Smith, I'm still feel a little bit burned by um but yeah. we do have short-term memories here so we're just going to ignore that i do like the running back that gibson he's pretty useful i think i like it i mean i expect pittsburgh to win but one and a half at least you're getting the hook so i'm in bad memories of washington for yeah. us on monday night in general bad memories of us with washington Duh. just in alex smith this year who's who's burned us twice but only in a backup role i think he played really well on thanksgiving i don't know if that's just because the cowboys are awful it'll be interesting to see him go against a real defense can they honor even... Drew Brees during this game for us? Or is that not... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, why do you think they the contest hung eight and a half or seven and a half when it's eight and a half right now live? Was it seven and a half briefly, like after the Steeler game or something? I don't know. I honestly have no idea. Maybe they were anticipating getting just a lot of Washington money because the Pittsburgh was pretty uninspiring today. But yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I would flag that I'm just looking at there against the spread. Uh, trends here so in weeks two through five i guess the skins fuck the football team were touchdown or more uh dogs they went one and three in those games they were seven and a half point 
dogs to Arizona and Cleveland, lost by 15 and 14. They were 14 and a half point dogs to Baltimore, and and oh, that's the one they covered. And then they were seven point dogs to the Rams and lost 30 to 10. Hmm. I think that game that was 13 and a half in the contest, and we took Bal- we took up Baltimore in that one, and, and yeah. it squeaked by by a half yep. a point. That's right. All right. I don't think we need to force that, but we'll keep it in the mix for sure. Mark, uh, what else you have for us? Unless you have another thought. So next on my list, I also was just thinking like generally, like uh, I feel like next year and just going forward that we just should just stay away from any and all like square picks, like just the last two weeks, maybe I'm just kind of recency biased, but just taking Kansas city on that Monday night first, the Raiders was clearly square. And then last week taking Cleveland first Jacksonville, which, which maybe was the right side, but I don't know. It just seems like it's not even worth it to take these square picks to a degree. Anyway, uh, that led me to considering taking Jacksonville on the road at Minnesota. I think it's, they're plus 10. Uh, is that right? In the contest? Yep. yep. It, it's a hold your nose game. It, it sucks taking this Jacksonville team. Um, they're one in 10 right now. Uh, although I did read that uh, in DVOA, they're, they're the uh, second best one in 10 team of all time. Um, second to the 2000, 2001 <laughs> Carolina Panthers. I don't <laughs> I, I, it's just a hold your nose game. I, I think Glennon actually looked pretty competent last week against the Browns. Um, maybe the Browns don't have a great defense, but uh, I don't see why this Minnesota team should be laying that many points right now, regardless of the fact that it's it's against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I don't have much to contribute here. 57% of the bets on mini, 85% of the money on mini. So I'm not sure what that tells us. Maybe it tells us nothing at all, but um, I feel like we've struggled uh, on and against the Jags a little bit. Maybe I'm misremembering something, but I didn't love a lot of games. I had a couple leans this week, and this was one I just avoided because I just didn't have a great feel. Yeah, I don't, I don't really want any part of this game either. I, I don't know what to make of the Jags. I think maybe they play hard at home, but it's hard to read them traveling with Mike Lennon. I think Zimmer has a really good road record against the spread, especially in non-divisional games at home. And they're coming off a tight one against Carolina. I don't know. It was a weird game. They had two straight plays where they fumbled the ball and had it returned for a touchdown, too. So they actually did outplay Carolina more than the final score indicated. And I do think this is a pretty good matchup for uh, a passing attack. The Jags secondary is brutal. I mean, the Browns, the Browns should have scored a lot more points than they did in that game. So that's what worries me. Like, despite Glennon looking good, I, I just think the Browns miss a lot of opportunities to blow that thing open and... With Cousins, Thielen, and, and Jefferson all all healthy for this one, Dalvin Cook kind of scares me. Beth Moen's on the call of this one alongside Jay Ugh. Feely. So that's <laughs> a, I don't mind Beth, but Jay Feely is awful. So he, He's terrible. <laughs> I get a little cautious with Minnesota, and I know Jacksonville stinks, but you know everyone hates the Chicago team. Minnesota only beat them 19-13 a couple weeks ago. They then lost to Dallas, and then I agree, Mike, they totally outplayed Carolina, but that was still a close game at the end, and they could have lost it. So I I don't know. I mean, this is a resume. They have the win against Green Bay. That's really the only good win they have. The only game they've won by more than 10 points is against Detroit. So I, I just, you're probably right, Mark. I just, uh, I'm still cautious. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a fun game to take. It's it's literally, you just have to hold your nose and take it. But uh, I'm fine to stay away. I'm sure there's other games we can find in the mix. I don't even want to watch that game either. Should, shouldn't influence your, your super contest picks, but fair. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't. What I, I mean, the Jags fired their GM this week, but then Marone's still there. Like, is this guy going to save his job again? <laughs> no, Dougie. No, he can't. Nine lives, Dougie. He's been through like six GMs already at this point, <laughs> and Shad just keeps letting him stay because I guess they play hard. I don't know. It's bad. Uh, all right, let me throw one out here. I'll stay in the uh, I'll stay in the dog region since we seem to be enjoying that right now. And a similar line, actually, the exact same line. I got a light 
light circle on this one, but I want to get your thoughts since uh, it's another 10-point game. <laughs> what do you guys think about Colt McCoy in Seattle? <laughs> Has a week to work with Garrett. They're familiar. We always kind of liked Colt as a backup yep. uh, in, his, in his earlier days. It seems like everybody's on Seattle here. I don't think many people are going to be taking the Giants at all, so I do think it's it's a unique play. And I think, you know, Seattle, I'm sure they'll have plenty of success, but I think the Giants defense is, is playing well right now and secondary is looking good. So I, I think they could keep it close. I don't know. What do you guys think, Trav? You're, as a fellow Giants fan, what do you think? First place on the line here once again? I wasn't going to bring it up because I didn't want to be accused of any homerism or anything. I think the Giants defense has been pretty good. I understand that the quarterback, you know, the step down from from DJ to McCoy is is significant, but that defense has still been really good. The Giants have only lost one game, I think, this year by more than 10 points. It was when they got blown out by the Niners earlier in the year. They've been, they've played tough. Uh, I think there's still, the Seattle defense has improved significantly with Dunlap, but I still think 10 points is an awful lot for for that defense to be laying against uh, a good Giants defense. And the Giants still have playmakers, and the offensive line is playing, I think, much better. So it wouldn't surprise me if they can be successful running the ball, slowing this thing down, uh, and keeping it pretty close in a low-scoring game. I don't know what the over-under is here. I didn't look at it. I should have. But 10 points feels like an awful lot in this game. Yeah, it's it's 46.5 right now, the over-under. That's enormous. I didn't really watch much of the Giants game last week, so I didn't really see much of Colt McCoy. Um, what, what did you guys think of like in his one half of, of, of playing football last week for the Giants? He looked he looked really he looked dreadful. But I, I you know coming in cold, I think is different than having a whole week of practice. And and I do think he has some familiarity with Garrett, and maybe they'll, you know, they they were still running like the Daniel Jones plays with him. So I, I don't know if that works with Colt. Like he was he was rolling out and scrambling. So I, I think having to switch the game game plan around he might actually have more success with some of these weapons he might be a little more accurate on the the underneath stuff and jones sometimes you know either forces stuff or, or holds on to the ball too long and i just think it's a unique play i don't need to force it i'm, I'm, I'm interested. no i definitely want to keep it around i think it's super unique i don't think anyone's going to take it uh judge has been a really good coach and this is kind of a an interesting chance for him to kind of prove out you know when he's down his quarterback to develop an interesting game plan, uh, try some things maybe in special teams too. So I, I would definitely keep it in the mix. And again, 10 points is a, is a lot when you're the, the over under is 46 and a half. Trends are I like crazy. It. 65% of the bets on Seattle, 96% of the money's on Seattle. So I don't see a lot of people in the contest playing this one. I think a fair amount of people took the giants last week and got burned too. Giants, uh, five and zero against the spread on the road this year. Um, yep. seven and three overall, their second, uh, overall against the spread. Yeah, I, I can get involved here. I, I feel like taking these backup quarterbacks in their first game, first start, um, seems to be like a pretty profitable thing. I mean, just thinking like Brandon Allen last week for the Bengals covering against the Giants. Um, I, I just feel like the market tends to overreact and just assume that these backup quarterbacks are going to be dreadful. Um, Mike Glennon. Mike Glennon, another one. Yeah, I like it. I, I think it's very unique. I'd love to keep it around and, uh, and me make a play on it. What else uh, you got, Mark, since uh, Trav only has outrageous plays for us for later? The next one I had on my list, and, and I don't feel great about it. It just seems fishy, is uh, Cleveland getting six at Tennessee. Hard to go back to the well with this Cleveland team, but um, I feel like people are overreacting a little bit to that Tennessee win over the Colts last week. The the Colts in that game were down a bunch of key defensive players. Tennessee just took it to them. Um, I'm just questioning, is Tennessee really that good? And, and you know, I, I hate Baker, as we talked about at the, the top of the pod. 
Um, he's, he's frustrating to watch, but I, I think this defense is, is going to get better. I'm not sure if Miles Garrett and, and Denzel Ward will be back, but if they are, um, I, I think there's definitely value on Cleveland at plus six. Uh, the look ahead uh, line for this game was, was minus three. So getting three, three extra points of value seemed, seemed like maybe a good play. I'm still just not convinced on the, on this Browns team, uh, at all, but curious what you guys think. This was another one that I had a light circle on. The 60% of the bets are on Tennessee, 80% of the money. So the it seems like that that's going to be the heavier side. I agree that you know it's tough going back to the well on Cleveland, but Tennessee's only two and five against the spread as a favorite this year, which is kind of an alarming uh, number. And, and they really haven't blown out a lot of teams. I you know this is the Cleveland has the best rushing attack in the league, and Tennessee has a very average rush defense, so that matchup is really good. You mentioned not liking Baker, and I tend to agree with you. But if Cleveland ever figures out what they are, which is just pound the ball down your throat, uh, I think you know this this is a good side to be on. Uh, and I, I think Garrett will be back. I don't know about Ward this year or this week, but but Garrett will be back. Cleet Blakeman is on the call here, so be prepared for that. But um, I would definitely keep Cleveland in the mix. Now I feel like we're we're stacking a lot of games here. Yeah, this this is just to point out. This is five and a half in the contest, not six. Yep. Uh, it is six in most places now. Uh, my only takeaway from the from watching that entire Browns game because it was the only game we had in the one o'clock slate was their defense was fucking terrible. Uh, and I don't know if that's because of the injuries, but I know they lost the safety Harrison. He's going to be out now, probably. I think he's on IR. So that that stinks. Their secondary was brutal. Like they were getting shredded by the Jags backup, backup receivers and their third string quarterback. So that was very concerning. I don't know. Maybe they just weren't up for that game and they, they thought they were going to waltz in there and win. This is definitely a bigger game for them, obviously in the AFC, but the Browns have been rolling. I mean, they've won four or five in a row here. Titans are rolling. I do think the Titans defense is a little suspect, but they have been playing better as of late. That was a pretty damn impressive win to go into Indy like that. The five and a half is weird. We've liked that five and a half zone going with the, uh, the home fave this year. I, I kind of had a light circle in Tennessee here, so I'm not going to put up a resistance to Cleveland. I just I don't really want to go back to Baker this weekend. It seems like we are stacking a lot of games, but I'm willing to keep it around. Super sneaky matchup of eight and three teams this late in the year, like Tennessee, Cleveland. Uh, I feel like both teams have kind of gotten a little bit of, uh, you know, knocked by the public, I guess, for being not as good as their records indicate at various points throughout the year. Uh, it's just an interesting matchup, I think. Shots did have a tweet uh, this week that Cleveland is the the worst eight and three team in thirty five years um, in terms of DVOA. But it's um, the yeah. best. It's the best Cleveland team in thirty five years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do think the Browns are due for a loss. Whether they're not due for a, a cover is another thing. So. Again, the, the, I know I said in the beginning, but just to reiterate, I'd like to leave on this: that Tennessee is only two and five against the spread as a favorite this year. They covered as four point faves against Houston and six and a half point faves against the Bears. They cover as big faves. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that cover against the Bears was extremely suspect. Like the, the Bears just couldn't do anything on offense. I think it was like twenty to seven final or something. Twenty four seventeen. I wouldn't say it was suspect. They freaking dominated that game. Twenty four seventeen. The Bears scored saying, a late like, TD. The Bears couldn't do anything on offense just because that's yeah. like an incompetent offensive team. I mean, I feel like Cleveland's always competent. They're very frustrating. I don't know. It's hard. This could be, I mean, the, the other thing about getting five and a half in this game is this could just be running the ball all day in a very quick, low-scoring game. Yeah, I do like that. Both teams running the ball, which is good. I don't know if you remember, the, these two teams played opening week last year, and this was kind of like after the the offseason where the Browns like got Odell, and everybody thought like they were the Browns are going to be this amazing offensive team. Yeah. Um, 
and the Titans blew them out 43-13 in Cleveland. Yeah, Mariota. I, I think Cleveland was was like five point favorites at home versus Tennessee. It's just crazy, like what what could happen year to year. Uh, it's going to be tough to sell me on that one, but I'll keep it around. Uh, all right, I only got one game left that I had a, a heavy circle on, and. Don't know if I love it as much as I did earlier in the week, but I would like to take Anthony Lynn against Bill Belichick. (laughs) Pick him in Los Angeles. Just saying it out loud makes me know how crazy I really am. Trends on this game are 50-50 all around. I think it'll be good two-way action in the contest. Uh, People, a lot of people took the pats this past week and got rewarded. Extremely sharp play. They're probably the sharp play again this weekend. I'm guessing this line will settle higher than what it is right now, so we probably will have less of a value in the contest needing the Chargers to just win this game to cover. So don't love it. I just think there's not a better time to buy low on the Chargers as there is right now. They just, they keep stacking up these unbelievable losses. And I still do not think this Patriots defense is good at all. I think they benefited again. They they seem to have these lucky circumstances at home to get these covers and, and wins where Kyler goes in and he's banged up and they have success. Uh, the Ravens go in, they get a monsoon, they have success. I, I just think this defense really is not good, and I think Herbert and that offense is going gonna, is gonna to shred them to pieces. So whether or not they can stop the Pats on the other side, that's a different story, but I do think Herbert will have a lot of success in this game, and uh, I think uh, this has got to be Anthony Lynn's signature win before he gets uh, gas at the end of the season. What do you think here, Trav? Yeah, I actually like it as well. This was going to be one of the off-the-wall ones. It started as the Chargers as a one-and-a-half-point faves. The contest is pick them, but now it looks like the live line is the the Pats by one. So if you compare that, you're getting, I guess, a point of value. Uh, the Chargers, I think, if you took the, the uniforms away and took the records away, they have a significantly better roster. They have a ton more talent. Uh, but the coaching mismatch is just so stark that it makes it hard to bite on the on the game. It's another game they just have to win, and that hasn't worked out so far. So it's it's scary going in. But I do think like the Chargers have been snake bitten. Eventually, they're going to beat a team that you know it's like this is a toss up type game, and they're going to win one. Uh, I don't know if it's this week or not. It's awfully hard to say that's going to happen against Belichick. But uh, I think the Pats stink. I think Cam stinks. I think the defense stinks. Um, so I'm all for going, uh, you know, with the Chargers or at least keeping it around. But it's 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 a white knuckler. All my notes for this was just like Bill versus Anthony Lynn, question mark, question mark, question mark. So that's tough to swallow. I, I feel like I, I'm sure there's some stat like Bill Belichick versus rookie quarterbacks. I, I also was reading that the Chargers haven't beaten the Pats since 2008 when Matt Castle was their quarterback uh, for the Pats. So um, now that Brady's gone, they'll beat him again. Yeah. Well, it, it's hard for me to stop. I, I feel like we're kind of diminishing. I mean, maybe, maybe you guys feel differently. I mean, they, they did beat the, the Ravens and the Cardinals uh, in the last two weeks. I mean, I know they were kind of, you want to say Kyler's banged up. You want to say it was raining. Um, I, I still think those are impressive wins regardless. Like, I think the Ravens have a very good defense. And, I, I, I'm just stopping. Just, I think that New England, I, I agree. I think New England plays really well at home. And I think circumstantially things go in their favor at home. But you sandwiched in them losing in Houston in between those two wins and having a squeaker on the road against the Jets where they should have lost that game. Game before that, they lost to the Bills at, on the road. So, uh, Pats have yeah, I mean, not you could, you could argue that they should, should have beat the Bills though, right? I mean, they were driving at the end of the game and Cam, and Cam fumbled on the 10-yard line. Maybe. Uh, I think that game was probably going to overtime if, if they held on. I'm, I'm just Other than uh, the Jets squeaker game at MetLife, which the Jets gave away Losing on purpose, they have not won away from uh, Gillette Stadium this year. All their all their losses are on the road. Okay, yeah, I mean, th- I think that's fair. Um, I also just think that it seems like they play a close game 
every week, right? It, it seems like they're coming down to the wire each week, whether they're on the winning side or the losing side. Um, it seems like the Chargers are the same. Um, so it's just, you know, which coach do you want to bet on in, the, in that scenario? Um, and, and maybe you're right. I, I feel like the Chargers will be extremely unique. Um, so maybe maybe there's value in, in, in terms of game theory in the contest and taking them, but I'm just a li- little hesitant. I That's think the fair. quarterback differential here is so significant. I, I, I'm sick of Cam. I think uh, he just looks so bad. He's throwing the ball into the ground. He just doesn't look right. It's just not. Yeah. We can leave it alone. We can leave it alone, but it's, it's, I don't know. I'd like to keep it in. They're essentially a home dog, right? At pick them. Yeah. Still got to win the game with the chargers. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'm out. Uh, we can go, we can notch off the games uh, from here. Trav, what, do you have any other, uh, reaches here that you want to throw out the other one that i had this is this extremely light circle you're going to hate it out of the gates so and, and honestly as i went i i made a circle on the game and then as i went through my research uh ended up kind of leaning the other way but cincinnati getting 11 and a half uh in miami i know it's brandon allen miami's three and one against the spread as faves they've covered as 10 point faves and seven and a half point faves against the jets i would argue the jets are worse than the bengals all around now, Miami has some running back injuries, so that was interesting to me. They, it's a very good defense. We know that. But they have not played um, some very good offenses, not the Cincinnati one is. If the running backs for Cincinnati get healthy, I'd be interested in it. 50% of the bets are on Miami. 70% of the money's on the Bengals. Uh, I think the Bengals fought against the Giants, and that game was only a two-point game at the end, and there was a chance they could have done something uh, in a different Was it two points? Maybe I got that wrong. But yeah, two points. Two points. I mean, so I don't know. I mean, the Bengals have played hard. Obviously, the quarterback downgrade from Burrow to Allen significant, but 11 and a half is a, is a lot of points when I don't think we know who Miami quarterback is. So, you know, either it's going to be Tua, which I feel very good getting 11 and a half points against Tua. I feel less good about it uh, uh, with Fitzpatrick, but I'm pretty sure it's Fitzy. Yeah. I mean, so I guess I feel less good, but still, it's a lot of points. I don't I know. I don't think you watched much of that Bengals game until the end, but Brandon Allen is atrocious. <laughs> uh, like at least like Mike Lennon is competent or Colt McCoy we think is competent. Brandon Allen, uh, he he did drive them on that that touchdown drive to get them within two, but before that he did absolutely nothing the entire game. Uh, the Bengals only hung around because they got a kickoff return for a touchdown. Giants had a uh, Evan Ingram fumble in the red zone. Otherwise, that, they would have been up twenty to nothing at halftime. And I think going away with this one, I I think the Dolphins defense is really really good. They proved that against the Jets. They proved that they can at least be really no, good they against didn't. bad teams. <laughs> How many times did the Jets get the ball on the opposite side of the field? Uh, yeah, that's the on the Jets. I, you don't <laughs> prove anything against the Jets. That's fair. But uh, I, I think Fitzy's more dangerous. I don't know. There's something about those like Miami, like sh- Miami playing a shitty team in the sun. I feel like yeah. they could we be came well up with enough. There. We came up with enough other games that we don't have to really discuss it. But yeah. Kind of surprising. Miami's 14th in def- defensive DVOA. I-, I thought they'd be higher. Yeah, yeah they, they're actually like the, the, po- the points per game is very low, but um, yards per play is actually very average. It's interesting. And, and particularly passing. I think the passing yards per play is actually below average, which does um, not necessarily match up well with Brandon Allen. I'm just. No, the, he couldn't even get any of those receivers remotely involved, which was which was troublesome. And, and Giants secondary is pretty good. And I think Miami's secondary is also really good do you guys have any other games either of you guys or we can just uh i can start running through these and and just touch on them briefly i'd like to throw throw one out 
I, I don't have a strong case. It's not the Jets, but, is it? No, 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 no. I just lean Detroit getting getting three. Uh, just simply the, the new coach theory. It's 2-0 and this year. The new coach covers in their first game. Um, this is Daryl Bevel's first shot at it. Kind of extended, extended week to prepare coming off the Thursday game. I'm getting the sense that these Bears players have quit, especially after that Monday night disaster um, in Green Bay. Some people tweeting after the game, some players tweeting after the game that, you know, they're embarrassed. If the Lions are going to get healthy if they're getting Galladay back. I think it's I think it's good value. Um, the Bears beat beat the the Lions earlier in the season in kind of a fluky comeback win. So the Lions have actually already played against Trubisky. It's, there's probably not much value on the line, but uh, just just curious what you guys think. Yeah, I had this I had this really earmarked when they obviously made the the change at, at coach and GM when and the line was like closer to six over the weekend and then it dropped all the way to three after the Bears stinker on Sunday night. Nagy was calling out the defense the next day, which seemed bizarre. He was telling everybody they got to like man up because it was embarrassing. I do like the new coach thing. I just think this is going to be a really popular play in the contest. I think this is like the public sharp square dog game of the week. Just everyone's going to be on on Detroit here getting three after the, the firing of the coach and all the stats that everybody reads about having the new coach effect. And I was kind of hoping that the Bears would fire their coach too and then and then no one knew what to do. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. We, we have so much scar tissue with Bears games this year that the one time we go against them, I feel like they'll burn us. So I'm hesitant. And if Galladay is back, I think that is a huge difference maker. I just, I don't really see any value in, in the three points. What do you think, Trev? Yeah, I agree. There's no value. I actually was mildly interested in the Bears to start with, which I, I would never suggest here because of everything we've been through with them. But um, you know, Detroit is very banged up in the secondary, it sounds like. And I actually thought that the Chicago offense this is going to sound crazy because they got blown out, but showed signs of life the other night. Uh, you know, they got absolutely fucked on the Trubisky fumble that was returned for a touchdown. He was face masked two or three times in the play and he had the bad interception in the end zone, which is on him. Yes. But you know that game. They were a, a late drive away from a backdoor cover there, and they had gotten, you know, I think screwed on the fumble, uh, more or less. So I, I thought that the offense looked much better with Trubisky than it did against Foles uh, or with Foles. Um, you know, again, Detroit's injuries in the secondary are interesting. You get the possible interim coach bump that you said. But, you know, two weeks ago, the, the Lions got shut out against the Panthers, and then all the stats said, well, teams that got shut out, you know, you should take them against the spread the following week. Yeah, they got eviscerated by the Texans on Thanksgiving. Uh, and obviously that led to the coach firing, but I, I just worry there's nothing there. I, I don't know. I mean, Daryl Bevel doesn't seem like the kind of rah-rah guy that has, uh, you know, been successful as the, with these interim situations. So I'm just, I would be cautious on Detroit. These are two pretty cursed fan bases and franchises right now. If you had to pick one of these and maybe we throw in the, in the jets to like who reigns supreme right now is the most unhappy fan base in the NFL this season. Bears? Yeah, probably the Bears because they have expectations and they have a defense that could be legitimately title contending if they had an average offense. So I think that gives you grounds to, you know, be more upset as a fan. If you're a Lions fan, a Jags fan, or a Jets fan, I mean you're just permanently miserable or you don't even care anymore. I'm a Michigan fan. I feel I don't care anymore. It's, that's just the way it is with all these teams. But at least the Bears, like if you're a Bears fan, you'd be pissed because you have a defense that, you know, you have a, a title window. And you can't find an offense to to put together with them, which is, by the way, the, the story of that franchise over the last literally 50 years. Yeah, it's the same old song, same old dance. Their quarterback, the list of Bears quarterbacks of the last 20 years is incredible. If you ever need a good laugh, just go on Wikipedia and look up all the Bears starting quarterbacks for the last 20 years. It's an amazing list. I don't really have any games left, but we, there are a bunch that we haven't touched on. So I'm just going to read them off quickly. Uh Indy three and a half point favorites at Houston. I think I liked this earlier in the week. It was closer to two and a half before all the uh, 
the Houston suspensions came out with Will Fuller and Roby, and I guess Stills is on waivers now, and Cobb is hurt. So a lot working against Houston here. I, I do think the public is still enamored with Watson, which is why I wanted to initially go Indy here off getting embarrassed in a divisional game. I think they would, they're going to go into here in Houston and, and take care of business. But as Mark said earlier, trying to avoid these square plays that have burned us in the past. So I think laying three and a half on the road divisional game probably isn't the smartest move. What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think taking, taking it at two and a half maybe made more sense, but at three and a half, it, it's hard to buy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, the couple things I point out, Houston's 0-2 against the spread with a rest advantage. They have that here because they played on Thanksgiving. Uh, and Indy's 3-1 and is a road favorite this year, which is kind of interesting. Uh, Houston's not a good running team, and Indy's got a very good rushing defense. So I think that matchup would favor the Colts. Houston, though, does have the number one passing attack. But with the, with these receivers either you know out because steroids are on waivers, you know, maybe that <laughs> steps, maybe that comes back a little bit. Uh, and then the only other thing I'd say is Costanzo's out. Uh, for for Indy on the offensive line, and I know they had COVID absences, but you know maybe some of those guys come back. So yeah, they really miss Buckner too, who who played well on that defense yeah. for most of the year too. I, I don't know is it, is the three and a half make it seem like is that stupid? Does that make it more of a unique contest play? You guys think, or you think everybody's going to be on Indy this week because of everything going on in Houston? That's a good question. I, I, I feel like it maybe would a little bit. I, I feel like it's going to be two way action. Now I think about it uh, on both sides this week. Seventy percent of the bets on Indy and ninety percent of the money on Indy. When I checked today, okay. But, but so, but is a lot of that action? Do we think coming at the two and a half point spread as opposed to the three and a half? Like I never I know think, how to read that. Any any action? Yeah. You're probably right. I think it's still pouring in now. I, the more I think about the Indy, will definitely be the the more heavily picked side in the contest here. Nobody's riding with Romeo, and all those that bad news that's coming out of there this week. We mentioned in podcast week one, Isaiah Coulter out of Rhode Island is a wide receiver somewhere buried in the Houston facility. <laughs> let him out romeo he's gonna get a chance this week uh romeo's getting this job it's gonna happen especially you if they think so you really he think so i want this job what does, what does romeo want coaching a bad team like this he like make, let him go sit in a box somewhere for a good team fair all right uh we'll move up from that game um and then another game that uh, involves two of our favorite teams also at four o'clock this, this this somehow is the Nance Romo game, which makes no sense. But Philly at Green Bay, Packers are laying eight and a half. We've had some bad bad scar tissue with the Eagles this year. We obviously go against the Packers, and Rodgers burns us every time. Sixty two percent of the bets are on Green Bay. Sixty six percent of the money is on Philly. So I mean, Philly's definitely the sharper side. I just can't stomach taking Wentz and Peterson right now, even if they're getting eight and a half. I just I just can't do it. There, Wentz is skittish. He's got the yips. Indecisive. Holds the ball too long. Misses open guys. I just can't do it, and I don't think you guys want to do it either, right? I feel like both these teams, we've had just a terrible performance this year. I feel like we're 0 for 3 taking the Eagles and 0 for 3 going against the Packers. Yeah. Um, but I, I did have Philly circled, of course. I, I just irrationally hate this Green Bay team for whatever reason. I was reading that Carson Wentz has 46 sacks through 11 games. Yeah. He's just the fifth QB to do that in the last 50 years. Can you guys name the other four? 46 through 11 games? Yep. I would Eli? go with the... Not Eli, no. David Carr? David Carr is Good. on the list twice, so that's two of them. You, you won't get one of them, but the, the other one you might. Uh, you probably won't think of it. Uh, Jacksonville? Gabbert? No. Bortles? Uh, older. Brunel? Yeah. Yep. 2000. Is Baselli uh, on that guys. team? 
I guess he was. <laughs> Didn't they go to the AFC Championship game like the year before that? Two years ago? Uh, 98, yeah. 98. 98. I was at that Jets game, by the way, Mark. Oh, saying, were you? Uh, yeah, I was, I at, was the at the Jets game, game in 98. That was an awesome game. That was a yeah, lot of sit, <laughs> sat right behind the Jags uh, bench. Wow. What were you doing at that game? I don't know. I got tickets somehow, and I was <laughs> I don't know. They're good seats, too. Actually, it was bad seats because you're right behind the bench, and Baselli's so big that like you can't see over those guys. But that stuck with me. Uh, yeah. Love those yeah, early Jags teams in Madden. Oh yeah, yeah those were fun. Jim, Jimmy Smith, like phenomenal player, great player. I and was Kim looking McCardle. at the uh, yeah, and uh, Fred Taylor is is one of the twenty five on the Hall of Fame ballot this year. That was the only name. There's a lot of stack names. Peyton Manning's on there. Charles Woodson's on there. Uh, Fred Taylor has no prayer of making it. I can't even believe he was a finalist though. Did you ever think Fred Taylor was a Hall of Famer? Or am I well, not Fred getting Taylor when he retired? Probably, and I don't know this. I don't know what the numbers are. But when he retired, he was probably like top twenty all time in yards, uh, uh, rushing yards, or something like that. I would yeah. guess. Yeah, he had a long career, so yeah. maybe that longevity you could backdoor it in one year. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Well, you guys brought up the Jets, so uh, I'm, I'm assuming nobody wants to ride with them this week. Uh, I did kind of like the Raiders in a bounce-back spot. I, I'm guessing they're going to smoke the Jets this week, but I, I do think the Jets' defense plays hard and at least keeps keeps these teams around. I just think that the Raiders are going to be really primed here to to blow somebody out after last week's embarrassment. But laying eight and a half on the road, just not probably not smart. And I don't know what the hell's wrong with the Jets. Darnold just like, he made some good throws. He showed some flashes, but he also misses a ton of open guys. And they, the offense just stalled anytime they were, had a prayer of scoring. Gase, the fourth down play calls this year, uh, Mark sent out a clip to the group. Where he, <laughs> they, they've had like five fourth and ones where he's just run it straight up the middle with Frank Gore and, and gotten completely stuffed. So I, I don't really want to touch this game, but I, I do. I didn't have a kind of a lean on the Raiders to, to bounce back. I just think eight and a half is too much. Like everyone else in America, I think I'm going to put the Raiders in all my teases over the weekend, but I don't think eight and a half is a little aggressive. And if we bet the Raiders, then the Jets offense would look competent because every time we do, I feel like, or go bet against the Jets, you know, flack like that, that game uh, where Flacco threw all those touchdowns on Monday night against yeah. the Pats. That was, uh, they, they'll, they'll look capable. Yeah, I, I actually, I, I want to like the Jets. I, I just think there's some O-line concerns that they're missing a guard, a right tackle. Um, so it's probably not worth it to, to chance it. That's why I didn't suggest it. Um, and you did say the Jets were going to win last week. so I mean, they were in that game. If the offense could just you know get one drive, Ooh. score one touchdown. Ooh. Um, I mean, they had every chance. They started with the ball, you know, the Miami, what, 40 and 25 back-to-back drives to get no points. Then the next drive, they started at their own 45 and got no points. Like, it's, that's... I mean, I but guess. how often does that happen? I mean, it's just, I don't know. It, it, the opportunities were there. It's just, the, the coaching's just so terrible. Um, speed of which, uh, I, I, I kind of hinted at you that I, I settled on who I want the Jets to hire. You guys want me to tell you? Or do you want to guess? Yeah. We should, no, we should guess. I, I want to guess. <laughs> is, it a, is it an NFL coach or a college coach? Let's at least give us that. Nah, I can't give you that. Oh, Joe wow. Brady. Uh He's not at the top of the list, but he's in the top five. Okay. That was all I had. <laughs> uh, who have you been liking this year? Marone? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. He's going to be available. I Bring forgot that they almost hired him uh, like five years ago after Rex got fired. Or after, uh, yeah, after Rex got fired. No, I, I like this guy. Well, I, I would love Pat Fitzgerald from Northwestern, but it sounds like he'll never leave Northwestern. But I love this guy, Matt Campbell. Uh, Iowa State coach. Yeah. I think you guys followed him at all. Yep. He's doing great things. He coached at Toledo before. He's uh, Iowa State this year is like seven and one or seven and two. Um, just getting good vibes from him. 
Um, so hoping, hoping they at least interview him. I think they requested to interview him in 2018, but he declined. But maybe with Trevor Lawrence in the mix, uh, he'd consider it. Man, you freaking love these Big 12 coaches, huh? Yeah. The big Guy's name Matt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I thought I, Joe Brady, because he, he would have gotten the Matt rule shine. I would, uh, Matt, Matt Campbell is on my top three list for Michigan. Um, oh, shoot. Is it, would he potentially go there, you think? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> that's a, that's a tough question to ask I me. Mean, would a guy at the coaches, Iowa state go to Michigan? If the answer to that question is no, then we really need to take a look <laughs> at the mirror. Yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know what kind of program Michigan is right now. They're in a tough spot. Uh, I'm sorry for that. The more I think about that, it, it, I'm so like depressed that they didn't, the Jets that didn't end up hiring uh, Matt Roll. Like it, yeah. he is just. Uh, I'm actually him. worried about you, uh, <laughs> because <laughs> your Matt Rule love, like you wanted him. It would have been one thing if you wanted him, and then he turned out to be nothing. Like I think we wanted Patricia in New York, and like thank God. Yeah. But you wanted Rule, you didn't get him, and it turns out he's a pretty good coach. Like that's, I feel for you. Yeah. Uh. I mean, pretty good. But, yeah. <laughs> Don't understand. His team's like, his team's like four and eight. Yeah. He's just like, yeah, he does have a lot of covers. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what are they against the spread this year? Uh, good. I think Matt Campbell has one more step before the NFL, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I think he, he, he can move to a bigger college program, but I could be wrong. Is there any chance they keep Gase for one more year? They can't, right? I, the, the fan base is going to rebel, I think. Okay. I, I can't imagine. Do the fans care? Uh, I mean, it, it's hard to get a read, uh, but based on like the Twitter, Twitter chatter, um, people are up in arms, and I don't see any positive comments about the Jets coaching staff right now. Yeah, really? And he's <laughs> so weird. Like <laughs> the play calling stuff, like he gave over the play calling, but then clearly on the sidelines, like he's calling the plays. Like you can see it, and then his justification after the game was that Loggins gives him the plays yeah, before right. they do the series, and then he calls them in. Like what? That doesn't make any sense. And then he said, "Oh well, maybe maybe I am calling some of them, but I don't. I'm not going to say who is exactly calling the plays to to give the opponents a competitive advantage because it's really been working out so well this year for them." <laughs> it, it was such a bizarre exchange. I mean, it, it, since like that press conference, which I don't know if you guys remember when he was introduced as the coach, like, and he had these like wide bat eyes. Oh yeah. Um, just a disaster from the start. Yeah. Um, yep. Crazy. And the weird thing about him too is to get. Uh, you know, very analytical about it when he's on the sidelines in a hat and a hoodie, you look at him and you're like, all right, that guy looks like he could be like a kind of tough dude. Like you know, he looks, it looks okay on the sidelines. Looks like he knows what he's doing. But in that press conference, when he's got the balding hair and his eyes are all over the place and he's wearing the <laughs> suit, it's like, what the fuck is this guy's problem? <laughs> so true. Uh, just a disaster. You know, like yeah. when he's, but seriously, when he's on the football field, you look like, all right, you know, the guy looks totally normal. But yeah. then when he takes the hat <laughs> off, it's like, Jesus. <laughs> so mark i'm gonna throw a name out here which will take us to our next game i thought you were gonna say uh vic fangio because there's rumors <laughs> that he's gonna be out in denver and another guy you love uh denver getting 14 this week in kansas city on sunday night i think we just don't have the the balls to go against the chiefs i'm guessing but denver definitely the right side here with the uh, the quarterback i'm guess they're gonna have some quarterback this week because uh, none of those guys actually tested positive they were just uh high contact high risk and uh misbehaved so but a lot of bad vibes. It seems like a lot of the players are really pissed at the quarterbacks. I do think that maybe there's some incentive for Locke to, uh, you know, get his act together, be on his best behavior, and and try and bring the team together. I just I don't have the balls to take uh, Fangio and Locke here. 
Yeah, I mean, I think I looked at the recent history of the Chiefs versus the Broncos, and it's it's pretty ugly, um, even with with my boy Vic coaching them. Um, so I don't, I don't really have an interest in this game. Yeah, I agree. Okay, and then uh, the Buck Aikman game—they're not doing a game on Sunday. Fox is saving them for uh, this Tuesday special, I guess, because it was supposed to be the Thursday game. But a uh, Dallas at Baltimore, uh, Ravens laying nine and a half. I'm guessing Lamar Jackson will be back for this one. Not a lot of trends available yet. I think the line's still in flux given uh, how many Ravens have COVID. I actually had a light circle on Dallas for a hot second before I uh, just thought better of it. I don't really want to take this game. Who knows? Maybe it gets pushed to Wednesday if more Raven stuff comes out. But nine and a half is a lot for Baltimore to be laying. They're just not very good right now. And they had a lot more injuries on defense today, too, and offensive line. Yeah, and the line is currently, I think when I looked before, it came on as seven. So you're getting to a two and a half extra points here with the Cowboys, but it feels like an awful lot of uncertainty. Again, we came up with a lot of games that I think you know we were willing to consider. So I this if we played it, I would go Dallas, but I don't think I'd put it in my top seven or eight. I, I agree, Dallas is the right side. Then uh, you know I quoted the, the Mike McCarthy off the buy stat a few weeks ago, and this is kind of like a off the buy scenario. But you just can't do it with the COVID uncertainty because I mean maybe this game doesn't end up getting even played on Tuesday, so. Um, probably not worth it. All right. Um, so here's what we're left with. Uh, I had uh, San Francisco and Atlanta as our two strongest leans. Uh, I think you can correct me if I'm wrong on that. And then the rest of the games in the mix were Chargers, Browns, Giants, Cards, and football team. So that's one, two, three, four, five, seven. Are we missing any? I know I kind of eliminated Detroit. It didn't seem like Trav and I were with them. And... Uh, may, maybe Dallas, but it doesn't seem like that. That's smart either. So is seven enough? Do we want to throw one more in there? Uh, I don't. I don't think we need to because I feel like maybe one could enter the mix later this week. Okay. So if San Francisco and Atlanta, and maybe even the Giants, it seemed like we all like the Giants. Of those three, is one of those a candidate for for Podlock here? Uh, I'm ready to do a triple Podlock with, with all three of those. Wow. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> That would, that would make the next couple of days very easy or maybe hard. I don't know. I'm speechless. What I mean, think, I, I love Atlanta and San Francisco especially, but I also kind of like that Giants game just as a contrarian play. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we need to now it's like, you know, we don't only need to win games. We need to win games and no one else takes, which is where the Giants fit into the mix here. Uh, I, I could I could do it. I don't know what the what the protocol would be for a triple pod lock. I mean, the thing about the Giants game that I kind of like if it were to be the pod lock is you already know McCoy is going to play quarterback. So there's no, there's no downside really like there. It couldn't get worse. <laughs> You're getting the 10 points. So that feels pretty good. Uh, you know, San Francisco, I, I would like to know a little bit more about the injuries, I think, but if everyone that I expect to play plays, then I think that's probably my, my favorite, but you're not getting the full three, which you are getting with Atlanta. I don't know. Maybe I'm talking myself in circles. Maybe the, the three way, the, the <laughs> menage pod is uh, the way to go. <laughs> Yeah, and one note on San Francisco, they did travel to Arizona today, so they'll be there all week for practice and then have the game there. So I do think it does have some sort of home field advantage there for them. They have a full six days to, to acclimate themselves and, and play in a stadium that they're pretty familiar with playing in, too. Yeah, and they always do weird shit where, the, you know, if they have back-to-back games on the East Coast, they'll stay out here or do other things. So I, that, that for that team, it doesn't bother me so much. Now, if we did lock the Giants, it's going to be pretty hard for me to take Washington, too, and go double NFC East. I'm just throwing that out there. But maybe this is the week to do it. Those are the two teams vying for uh, first. 
Yeah, those are the two live teams in general. I mean, I feel like as dogs, they've been kind of the live dogs or the live teams against the spread in the in the division all year. I, w- I wouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. The line value on that Washington Pittsburgh game, it, it might be hard for for me to get there, but yeah. Okay, so then we do the triple pod lock, and then did you have the Browns like, in your mix? Yeah. So then, okay. uh, All right. Good. Good. After that, if we did the triple pod with the Giants, the Niners, and the Falcons, we'd be sort of deciding between the Chargers, Browns, and Cardinals, and then it seems like Washington could be on the outs. That's pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm. Let's triple lock it. What the hell? It's uh, it's week thirteen. Honestly, that cards game that I, that we could go a quad lock, but I won't. I won't go crazy. But that cards game, I, I, I we, like more and more. I love that. I think I think we have to do some work on Mark the rest of the week because he was on the yeah. Rams to start, even though he he did have a soliloquy about not wanting to take square picks, and then he comes out <laughs> shooting with Rams laying three on the road. So <laughs> I, I don't think it's that square. I, I feel like the the Cardinals are more of a public public team, but maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, maybe, but but. Certainly, it's square to be taking the road favorite there in that situation. But and then if we did take the Cardinals, we would have back-to-back home teams in that stadium on back-to-back days, which is also exciting. Wild! What a year! <laughs> what a year! The, the Bills have played in Arizona, by the way, this year. Yeah, and the 49ers haven't. It's just kind of interesting. Because <laughs> the the Bills had they got they have uh, terrible memories, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, the the Hail Mary. Yeah. yeah. Oh, by the yeah. way. How about the Bills? They gave up the Hail Mary to end the the Cardinals game. They gave up the Hail Mary that was called back for pass interference offensively uh, against the Chargers. Then the Chargers threw another Hail Mary on them that they converted. So, would not for a touchdown, but but to get back to the goal line. So, in their last three Hail Mary defenses, the Bills have given up a completion all three times. <laughs> they need to get they need to get Boom and TJ up there right now to say knock it down. <laughs> <laughs> Do they have a Gronk brother on the team anymore? I know all the Gronkowskis are from Buffalo. They could put one back at safety, like when uh, Bill put Gronk back against the Dolphins and the Dolphins burned them. The Adam Yates Dolphins. <laughs> all right, triple pod lock. I'm locking it right now. Boom. San Francisco, Atlanta, Giants, Hotel. Let's get crazy this week. Uh, I don't think anything drastic in those games could change other than a quarterback going out for COVID. And as we experienced last week, we do have the right to uh, swap out of our locks should there be crazy COVID situations. So those are our seven games. Again, Podlock, Giants, Niners, Falcons. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. And other games in the mix, Chargers, Browns, Cardinals, football team. Let's get to some trivia here, Mark. Uh, you left us with a really tasty one. We had some input from uh, a few of our favorite listeners. So uh, I'm anxious to hear the answer to this question. Yeah, so the, the question was, uh, who is the oldest player to ever record a sack? Um, and I think we had a couple of listeners say Bruce Smith, um, Jeff Kung, uh, Ian Halverson, Trav, I think you even guessed uh, Bruce Smith. Ian um, did not Mike, guess Bruce Smith. Ian guessed somebody that I think is the right answer, um, but I'll let you give us the answer. I guess uh, Julius Peppers. You guessed Julius Peppers, okay. I had Bruce Smith. Um, yeah. I, I think you guessed James Harrison, right? Yep. Yes, James Harrison. Okay, so Harrison, interestingly, interestingly, was the fourth player to record a sack at 38 or older since 2011. But the the correct answer to this question is Clay Matthews Jr., who is Clay Matthews the third's father, um, and he was 40 years and 282 days old um, when he made his last last sack. Wow, so it's a tough question. But good, good guesses all around. I think Bruce Smith was the is the only other player to, to record a sack uh, over the age of forty. 
I thought Clay Matthews was Bruce Matthews' son, but maybe yeah. I'm totally wrong. Uh, I think Bruce Matthews has a uh, his son is the oh Jake, Jake Matthews tackle. Jake yeah. Matthews, yep. yeah, yeah. There was his son in the NFL. Okay, I mean what, he has the exact okay. same. Play One out of every that. seven NFL players comes from that family tree. Little known stat. <laughs> what I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if they're cousins. I got who knows. They are. What, oh, they are. I think so. I think Bruce and Clay were brothers. Yeah. Pretty sure. Oh, Jesus. I had no idea. And I think their father had... I could be wrong about that. I should go look. Clay the first? Clay Sr.? A member what, what of the Matthews... They, they, they are brothers. Wow. Yeah. What was Clay Jr.'s team, the guy who has the record? What what, what team was he with when he did that? Browns, uh, I think. Uh, the Falcons. He he did play for the Browns for like 15 years. And then I guess the, the last couple of years he played for the, the Falcons. Got it. How about this? Maddie Matthews, born in 1889. Oh, he's a baseball player. Never mind. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, good stuff. All right, you guys want a trivia question for you guys this week? Of course. I'd love to know your trivia setup. Like, do you have a folder that you're Seriously. accumulating? A little bit yeah, notes. Where you notes. Put yeah. Yeah. Little notes app. Um. All right. So this is kind of a fun question. Um, you're gonna have to name a few people, but can you name the only players in NFL history to have a winning record in nine seasons in a row? Uh, and it's a minimum of one start in each season. So th- there's a bunch of people who have done it, but I'm curious if you guys can name all the players that have done it. Sorry, quarterbacks that have done it. So wait, the the question is nine winning seasons in a row. Yes, nine winning seasons in a row, minimum of one start uh, per season. Brady. Uh, and I'm sorry, I'll, I'll give you the, the total number. It's se- seven people have done it. Brady. Brady is correct. Peyton. Peyton is correct. Montana. Montana is correct. Aikman. Not Aikman. Okay. Breeze. Not Breeze. Steve Young. Nope. Three are actually currently starters right now in the NFL. Rivers. Nope. Big Ben. Yep. <laughs> nope. No. He, he was injured uh, last year, right? Yeah. He oh, lost yeah. his one start. Rodgers? Rodgers, correct. Was Brady one of the ones that's a current player? Or they oh, sorry. Yeah. They, there's there's one, two, two others. Uh, sorry, I forgot Brady still plays. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson is correct. Ah, right, good one. So we're at five. I got two more. One of them is active. Mm. Matt Ryan. Nope. Yeah. So it's it's nine seasons in a row when this person has started a game. If that makes sense. Oh. Didn't Roethlisberger start a game last year? He did. But but he lost they, it. They did it. Joe Flacco. No. <laughs> That's a good guess. That is a good guess. Yeah. That's a good guess. I'm going to guess not Cam because we had that whole that they won the division with the losing record. Yeah, it's not Cam. What the hell? Who am I missing? Uh, we we have taken this team with him at quarterback uh, this year. Uh, Alex Smith? Alex Smith is correct. Well wow. Done. <laughs> what? That's, that's well done. So I, I guess he's he has a winning record as a starter this year, and every the, year that he started at least one game, he has a winning record for for nine straight season. Oh, so wow. it's the player. I I got it. All right, I was kind of thinking about it wrong. I was thinking like the team had to have the winning record. 
so we and got so one more one more legend on the list, right? We got one Brady more Payton legend. Left. Yes, it's going to be tough to get. Um, Unitas? No, it's it's he's not that old. So he played uh, mostly in the nineties, maybe a little early two thousands. Yeah, probably not. Probably more eighties, nineties. Warren Moon? Uh, no. Steve McNair? Not Steve McNair. So yeah, he, he, I'm sorry, he's more 80s, 90s. 80s, 90s, okay. Not Marino, I would assume not Marino? Not Marino, no. Elway? No. Uh, so, I mean, he, I, don't, I don't think he even ma- ever made a Pro Bowl, to be honest. Oh. See, mm. to Berg? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good guess. Well, Steve anyway. Craig? Steve Craig. Who's Steve Craig? Dave. Dave Craig. Dave Craig. Dave Craig. Oh, Dave know. Craig. Yeah, the the, the line. Dave Craig. Craig. Who's Steve Craig? <laughs> Roger. Craig. I know Roger Craig. Hey, you got to give us a clue on this one. Uh, all right. I'll give you two of the three teams he's played for. He's played for the Raiders and Washington, and one other team. Doug Williams. Nope. Mm-mm. Rich Gannon. No, that's that's a good guess though too. You guys want the third team? Plunkett? Nope. Yeah, give us the third team. It's the New York Giants. This is embarrassing. Hostetler played for the Raiders and Giants, but I don't know that he ever played nine seasons with a winning record. Hostetler is correct. What? (laughs) (laughs) It's weird because he filled in uh, I'm just looking at his QB record per year. Like in the in '88, he started one game. '89, one game. '92 games, and he won all these games. And he was wow. a starter a little bit early '90s, but actually never had a losing record as a as a start at a, in, in a season for nine straight years. Speaking of uh, Jeff Hostetler, the last three times the Super Bowl has been played in Tampa, the Giants have won the division, including '91 when I was in the building when they beat Scott Norwood. So you're saying they're going to win the division this year? I'm saying it's possible. Now, the other little stat here is, I mean, I'll let everyone behind the curtain a little bit, all of our two and a half listeners, that all four times the Giants have won the Super Bowl has been my first year in a new house. And I (laughs) moved over the summer. So it's set up well. That's all I would say. Wow. That would be some run. You got to start moving more. (laughs) I'm going to have to. You're right about that. Start flipping houses. I'm just, you know, the Giants can somehow go into Seattle, squeak this one out, shock the world. Then they're going to get to play like Brady in the first round in that four or five matchup. The Giants are going to win a playoff game. That is a guarantee. If the Giants (laughs) make the playoffs, they are winning a playoff game. Yeah, I agree. It's going to be cold. Both times, I think the, uh, the Panthers and the Seahawks, when they won the division with losing records, they both won the playoff games. Yeah. All right. Well, Giants are part of the triple pod lock this week. Giants, Falcons, Niners. Uh, check out the rest of our picks on Sunday, podcastpicks.co. Mark, you have a trivia you want to uh, leave our listeners with before we say goodbye. I do. This is a, a fun, simple one. Uh, can you name the only team to never have a nine and seven record in the NFL? That's very interesting. I don't even know how you even found that out, but that's a great <laughs> question. I'm just trying to imagine uh, the pro football reference way that you yeah. do that. <laughs> All right. So start guessing, start thinking nine and seven, the only nine and 17 text us, leave us a review and uh, 
Triple pod lock. We're making history this week. Time to make some moves. Five weeks left. Let's get it done this week, boys. Uh, we'll talk to you next week. Five and up.